December is such a magical time at Seton Hall and within the Seton Hall community. So who better to have on the show as we are in the thick of the Christmas season than Seton Hall's Vice President for Mission and Ministry, Father Colin Kay. Father Colin imparts with us in this episode so many nuggets of wisdom, his belief about why the spirit of Christmas comes so alive within the Seton Hall community, and also shares his own Seton Hall journey that dates back to his childhood. Take a listen to this month's episode with Father Colin Kay. Father Colin Kay, welcome to the Pirate's Eye podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you as our December guest. As we throw ourselves deep into the Christmas and holiday spirit, I can see no better guest for this this month. Well episode. said, Bianca. Well said. Yes. <laughs> um, it's great to be so, with Chris- you. Christmas at the hall. Yeah, no, thank you for making the time. I know it's a busy time. And especially when we think about everything that it means to celebrate Christmas. And it's certainly something I want to talk to you about. I want to deep dive into, you know, what Christmas at the hall is. You have such a critical role in all of the celebrations, but I want to set some context first for our listeners, help folks understand what your Seton Hall story is what your journey has been like towards becoming vice president for mission and ministry at Seton Hall. So tell us where it starts. You're an alumnus of the university. Is that where it begins? Is there a precursor? How do you become part of the Seton Hall community in such a way? um, It goes back almost to my beginning. Um, Just before I turned five, my father died. And um, my mother... um, moved us back up to the city of Newark to um, to the um, um, to the um, apartment uh, complex where my father's mother lived. Um, it's called Ivy Hill and it is right beside the South Orange campus um, visible from the ball field and from um, the parking deck uh, visible from my own room at Boland Hall. Uh, I started there um, when I was five and a half. And uh, Seton Hall has um, kind of been a part of my life ever since. Uh, I, um, it's been my backyard. Uh, I'm old enough to remember a Seton Hall that was um, pretty open uh, before locked gates and card swipes and that sort of thing. So when you were a little mm-hmm. boy, you could ride your bike across campus, you know, um, you could, uh, walk the dog. I did both those things. Um, I remember <laughs> riding my bike and this is back in the day. I mean, I remember a Seton Hall that was kind of sort of an ocean of blacktop parking lot, um, with a few buildings <laughs> here and there. Um, seagulls used to come in the winter and swoop down on you. They love the open spaces, I think, of the parking lots. Um, and uh, I can remember, uh, you know, the arts building near the Farinola Gate? Um, it's mm-hmm. got that little turrety sort of thing. Um, we used mm-hmm. to call it, because of the turret, I guess, we used to call it um, Frankenstein's Castle. And um, when you rode your bike from Ivy Hill all the way to Frankenstein's Castle, which kind of felt like going to um, (laughs) North Dakota, um, 
when you when you rode your bike all the way there, you knew that you had done something. You know, you had done, you had you had accomplished something. So, um, when I was a boy, I was part of Seton Hall. I can remember my mom um, bringing us into the University Chapel sometimes just to pray, sometimes for mass. Um, I can remember um, riding that bike, walking that dog. Um, just enjoying looking at the people and seeing the people and all that. And eventually, uh, my Seton Hall story did bring me a little bit more officially to campus uh, when I started at Seton Hall Prep back in the day. It was right here on campus in Mooney and Duffy Hall. Um, so okay. I did four years at Seton Hall Prep. Um, you know, the, the bookstore was our cafeteria. Parking services was uh, Father Moran, Ferran's math class. Um, so <laughs> I was um, pretty dug in here through high school, went elsewhere for college, and then a little time in the okay. military, but then returned um, for two go-rounds at our seminary school of theology to study to become a priest. And... Um, that was a tremendous experience both times. I took a little break in between for monastic life, um, but came back and um, um, graduated from the Seminary School of Theology, was ordained a priest, worked for more than a decade in a parish and then in a high school, and then was invited to um, Come back to um, direct campus ministry here at our South Orange campus, and one thing led to another, and I was pulled up into President's Hall, and uh, here I am today. Beautiful. I think that's really interesting that you share having a childhood experience that connects back to Seton Hall. I'm sure there are others like you that also had that experience, but it's very unique. I think overall, there's not so many alumni that can say their childhood was spent, you know, riding a bike on campus because they lived around, you know, just around the way, around the corner. It's so that's a cool. beautiful, that's a beautiful cool. experience. It's, it's nice yeah. to feel so rooted in a place. Um, I might not be yeah. the um, closest ever alum uh, to have grown up nearby. Uh, there's at least one priest on campus, Father Malevsky, who teaches in the Seminary School of Theology, who insists that his home in Valesburg was closer to the gates of campus than I but uh, we'll fight that fight another time. It's Christmas. We'll be almost a unique story. I see there's a yeah, little competition, yeah. but certainly yeah. for the rest of us, that um, is an experience that we don't necessarily uh, have or can compare to. So I imagine that when you're walking around campus, the sense of nostalgia for you is is runs yeah. pretty deep. You know, you you can still remember when some of these places were not were not there at all, or when they served a I different do, function. I do, I remember um, things that are no longer here, and of course, people who are no longer here. And I remember, and I'm grateful for all that is now. Um, it's, it's a nice feeling on campus and around campus to, there's almost not a street near South Orange campus that, you know, doesn't hold some kind of a memory for me. Um, it's nice to be home. Seton Hall feels like home. Um. I love that. It, I, I find that in a lot of the interviews that I do, or all of them, a common thread, a reoccurring theme with the guests of this podcast is that 
Seton Hall has provided them a mm-hmm. sense of community, a sense of home. When they return back to campus, they very much feel like they are going home. So I, I love it that you're sharing that because it sounds like your home is even deeper rooted, but it's something that every, every Seton Hall alumni that I've spoken to. I hear that a lot too. And, um, I like to believe that um, it has more than little to do with our Catholic identity and our Catholic mission, you know, that sort of um, we aspire to have it, you know, soak right into the bones of this place. And um, I think it matters. I think it makes a difference. The Lord is with us, and not just at Christmas. And uh, I think that's right. Yes. And so you've had multiple roles in Seton Hall. Um, and so I'd like you to just share with us what that has been like. Uh, you, you talk about the integration of, of that faith into just the thread of life at Seton Hall. How has that vision, how has that anchor uh, played a role in the, in, in the different areas of work that you've had at Seton Hall? Well, of course, uh, in my work as um, director of campus ministry, I was... Um, directly responsible for attempting to meet the um the spiritual needs of um our students and um though we are a university and um what happens in the classroom matters most of all um there's plenty of really important things that go on outside the classroom and not least of all at our university chapel and not least of all in campus ministry and in our division of volunteer efforts of um we'd look to build a community one human at a time uh one relationship at a time and hope to be the kind of place where um everyone is given an opportunity an invitation to encounter the person and the message of Jesus Christ. We do that explicitly in campus ministry, but we do that implicitly in every corner of campus. Um, And not least of all, of course, in student services, um, in the university center, elsewhere. Um, In my work in campus ministry, um, I was tried to be a very good and close ally with uh, lots of people in all, all corners of all three of our campuses. Um, and then when I came up to um, President's Hall, um, my um, responsibilities broadened out a little bit. Um, kind of mission, Catholic identity and mission belongs to all of us. And in a particular way, it belongs to the faculty, again, in the classroom. Um, And there is no corner of any of our three campuses that mission and identity doesn't touch in one way or another. There is no um, person on campus that mission and identity doesn't touch in one way or another. Um, But I'm the human on campus, um, along with the priest community, explicitly charged with, you know, kind of keeping our eye on the ball. Um, What does it mean to be a Roman Catholic Archdiocesan University. What does it mean to be um, Seton Hall um, aspiring to live up to our um, identity and mission as a Catholic community of teaching and learning, praying and worshiping, um, serving and leading? Um, 
It's uh, a challenge. It's a complicated place. The great minds, what great minds can do at Seton Hall, we agree on an awful lot and disagree on more than a little. Um, but together, <laughs> um, great minds and good hearts, um, asking questions, trying to um, listen carefully and um, and compassionately to one another. Um, and little by little, um, walking together in the way of the good and the true and the beautiful, um, and ultimately in the way of the Lord. Um, that's kind of sort of what I'm supposed to be about here. Uh, and uh, <laughs> basically, uh, my work here at Seton Hall, I like to say, as Vice President for Mission and Ministry, um, gives me a license to listen. I love to listen to people's stories. Um, and I love to um, help them ask the question of how their individual story um, and the work that they do here and who they are and who they engage with, how um, their story fits into the Seton Hall story and how the their story and the Seton Hall story fits into, um, well, in many ways, the story of Christmas and the story of the story of our Lord and um, the, his gift to the world, the church. Um, so we're working on it. Um, now, you mentioned some challenges, right, at large in the work that you do. Are there any particular challenges when you're mostly dealing with beyond the faculty and that administration, but you're dealing with uh, overwhelmingly a group of young people, mm -hmm. young minds, straight out of high school? going through into their young adulthood. Are there particular challenges with the with the age demographic? Um, I don't think necessarily with the age demographic. I think the challenges um, are the same. Um, <laughs> never mind our undergraduates, our graduate students and their fathers and mothers and their grandfathers and grandmothers. I think um, um, not to sound too TikTok-y and not by way of evading your answer, but um, your question. But um, our world is very noisy. And at least our corner of the world here in the Northeastern United States, very fast paced, very. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I think, um, the deepest challenge these days is to just get people's attention. You know, um, they are so busy. They are moving so fast. They are listening to so much. How can we together sort of tap the brakes? How can we together sort of quiet down just a bit? Um, we're busy about so many things. Um, could we take a moment or two um, to ask, you know, of all the things I'm busy about, um, what are the things that really matter um, to me, to my loved ones, to this place, to the world, you know, um, meaning and purpose, um, the why question. We're very busy with the what, right? We're busy with the how. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of us on campus, not just me, but a lot of us um, 
enjoy trying to help people ask the why questions, you know, hey, 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 listen, what's the rush? Why so fast? You know, where are you going? Why? What are you doing? Why? Um, um, it's good for people. It's good for people to um, have a chance to answer or to begin to answer questions like that with somebody who cares, with somebody who wants to listen. Um, it's good for me to hear. It's good for us to hear. And it's good for us to um, to um, share a little. Um, we get closer. Um, tell me who. I'm taking away from from you. You, you mentioned listen a few times. And, and I love that because I understand that there's a, a message that you have, right? There's work that you have. There's, there's, a, there's an objective that you may have as, as a priest and as someone in your role, but you're mentioning listening and you're mentioning hearing someone's unique story as such an important piece. Why is that such an important piece versus the speaking part? Um, um... Again, this is going to sound very TikTok-y, but I think it's true. Um, they tell us in the seminary and elsewhere, you've probably heard the expression before, nobody's going to care what you know until they know that you care. And mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. young and old, I think more than anything in this world, um, they of course want to be loved and very much part of the whole adventure of loving. They want to be seen and they want to be heard. Um, are you seeing me here? Um, are you hearing me? Are you listening? Um, it's all about relationships, you know? Um, and I love it when somebody comes and meets me where I am and 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 listens to me and sometimes they can be a little defensive and they have to work a little at uh at uh um getting at me um and i appreciate it when they don't quit when they keep trying um and i like to pay that same um i like to pay that forward to other people too um who are you why are you um what is important to you and can you tell me a little bit about why and um sure i have things to say and the church has things to say and the gospel and jesus christ risen and among us has much much to say um to the world um but even in the gospels the jesus we see um seemed really good at friendship, seemed really good at connecting with people, um, mm -hmm. being there with them first, and then um, breaking open the word for them and with them. Um, like, uh, forgive me, this is Christmas, but Christmas is very much tied up with Easter. On the night um, after the morning that he rose from the dead, um, Jesus met two of his disciples walking together away from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. Um, and um, they did not recognize him. And 
What did he do? He asked them questions. What are you talking about? What's going on? And they went on and on and on and on. And he listened to them first. He listened to them first. And only then did he begin to, um, <laughs> forgive me for putting it this way, set them straight, you know? Only then did he begin. And even then, it wasn't until the very end of his visit when they were seated um, at a meal together, did he reveal himself in the breaking of the bread as Jesus of Nazareth, Christ risen. Um, listening seems to come first, uh, then the speaking. Um, salesmen, I'm told, will tell you that. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> listen to what that potential customer thinks he needs, thinks she needs, um, what they need. And then it's time to say, I got something for you. You know, I got. Right. Um, right. Listening. Right. That makes a lot of sense. No, I, I, I love that you shared that. And it brings me to another question that I have. And I'd, I'd love to get your perspective and your vision on this. Uh, historically, still presently, religious identity, faith has divided people. And so from your perspective, your vision, what does it look like to cultivate interfaith connections at Seton Hall or through Seton Hall's community? Well, the first thing I would say is that, um, and I do believe this very deeply, um, those of us who are people of faith um, have much, much more in common than not. Um, um, People talk about building bridges. Um, I find myself talking a lot, not so much about building bridges, but uncovering bridges, revealing bridges. Can we find, um, can we find those things, those values, those questions even on which we are in agreement? And, and and move on from there. Uh, when I do listen to people, um, and I love listening, again, not to make it about me and not to paint myself as some kind of a hero because I am not, but um, I love strangers. I really do. <laughs> I love strangers. Um, and the stranger, the better. Um, I know when we're little, we're warned about stranger danger, but um, I think I'm old right. enough to, to be a little less afraid of strangers. I love strangers. The stranger, the better. Um, I can learn an awful lot more from someone who doesn't look like me, from someone who doesn't sound like me, from someone who does not um, see the world the way I see it, someone who does not see the university the way I see it. I can learn so much more from the stranger than I can from that guy, God help him, who looks just like me and sounds just like me and thinks just like me. Um, and I went, That's true. and it's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. Mm. Um, it's not all, you know, unicorns and rainbows and butterflies. It's just not. Um, Mm -hmm. They can be difficult conversations. They can be awkward conversations. They can be um, yeah. complex conversations. But at my best, and I'm always at my best, um, at my best, I try and try to encourage others um, 
to listen with an open mind and an open heart and to listen for the ways you think the stranger is right. You know, what is, of all the things that the stranger is telling you, what are they right about? You know, um, of mm. all the ways that um, um, they may be putting things in a way that's then different than you, or maybe even a kind of a little um, disagreeable to you. How's that human right? What what kind of that. goodness and truth and beauty is is this human seeing in this particular situation or in this particular moral question or in this particular um, political question or university question? How are they right? Um, let me start there. Let me start there to, to listen for... Um, Listen for ways that others are right. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about how we disagree. Um, but again, I think it's um, here at Seton Hall, we have programs, we have centers, we have events that try to bring different people together, if not strangers, but different people together. Um, and the programs matter because the people matter and the events can make a difference probably precisely because they give people an opportunity who might not run into one another elsewhere during um, a semester or during a week or during a day, give them a chance to sort of cross paths mm. and connect and mm -hmm. Uncover start bridges. a relationship, you know, um, that matters. And I think a place like Seton Hall is, um, is good for that. We are large enough to offer everybody in our community, lots of opportunities and small enough to um, make sure people know that if they don't want to be lost in a crowd, they don't have to be. Well. Mm -hmm. That I love, I love that you just shared that uncovering bridges that already exist is such a beautiful concept. Listening, finding where someone who may think different or come from a different walk of life from you is right is such a, a strong piece yeah, of wisdom. So we've thank only you scratched the surface. I'm I, full of beautiful concepts. I'm full of beautiful concepts. I love it. I love it. Forever. Yeah. It is, it is, I'm I'm going home with that, with that nugget. And and it brings me to, you know, what we're talking about programs and bringing people together and, and finding connections that already exist, uncovering bridges. It is December. Seton Hall has nationally been recognized multiple times for its celebrations of Christmas and winter holidays. It is such a magical time at Seton Hall, at least from my perspective, and I know from the perspective of so many people. Why is that from your perspective? Why does this month, why does this time bring out so much magic in the community? How does it bring people together? Why does it bring people together? Well, forgive me for going... Um all priest on you for a moment, but um, um, as an institution, um, we are um, Christian, Roman Catholic Christian. I mean, this is at the very heart of who we identify as an institution. Now, of course, 
not everyone is a believer. Not everyone is a believing Christian. And, and every member of the community is a member of the community. Every voice is to be listened to. Um, but um, we are Christian. Um, we aspire to um, live in the way of the Christ, Jesus. And uh, Christmas is one of those important moments in the course of the year that, that, um, that remind us, I was just writing about this um, to the university community. Um, you know, our, our um, none of them feel little to us, especially when we're in the middle of them, but our little aches and pains of body and heart and spirit, our little troubles, our little worries that can, of course, seem anything but little when it's my trouble and my worry, um, all these little darknesses in our life can kind of, um, kind of shut us in and kind of cut us off. Um, mm -hmm. We go into sort of a survival kind of mode. I think the wonderful thing about Christmas and especially at a um, explicitly Christian community, we've got lots of room to grow, but like a Christian community like Seton Hall is that the Christmas story um, invites us into a bigger story into a bigger, brighter, more beautiful world, um, bigger than my aches and pains, bigger than my troubles, bigger than my, my uh, darknesses. I'm looking right now from my office window at the, at the lights of our Christmas tree, which of course is um, very much central to our Christmas, the whole celebration here at South Orange. But, um, very important to remember, Christmas at the Hall begins not at the tree, not at the University Center. Christmas at the Hall begins in the University Chapel with um, a very well-attended Roman Catholic um, Eucharist, the Mass, the Holy Mass, um, con-celebrated by many priests of the Seton Hall community, attended by lots and lots of students and staff and faculty and um we begin there you know we begin with worship we begin with prayer first things first and only then um do we take things out here to the green and um go about the business of um lighting up the night you know and lighting up one another with a little joy a little you know I don't know how you feel, but it's just easier to smile at people in December. Um, it's easier <laughs> so to like people in December because there's something going on here and we're reminded that we're part of something bigger, you know, the tree and it's beautiful, many colored lights. Again, I'm looking at it right now. Um, reminds us of how beautiful this world is how beautiful the gift is of Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem and killed in Jerusalem, but alive right now in South Orange and Nutley and Newark um, and everywhere in between and all around. Um, and um, how we find our real joy, our real peace, our real hope, our real beauty as finding our story 
as part of that much larger and more beautiful story. Um, I think that's what, um, that I think is what really um, makes the magic here on at Christmas at the Hall, because in a very real way, it's Christ at the Hall, Jesus Christ at the Hall, every day, every night, but especially that night. Not, which is not to say, of course, that every single human on the green um, would be able to put that into words, not to say that every single human on the green <laughs> is there um, for anything much more than just, you know, watching the lights, but I think the joy of the the performers, um, our musicians, our dancers, our singers, um, the um, our MCs. I mean, my role in the whole Christmas at the Hall thing is very, very little, um, and not just on stage, but um, it's the people at Student Services, Vice President um, Monica Burnett, and her people. Um, who um, really do the hard work of making it happen. Um, and I think we find there our joy in one another. Um, and Absolutely. And there's that event, right? It's a catalyst and it's it's the big yeah. bright lights and it's the one, you know, it's, it's the magical feeling and it's the joy and it's the sense of community. But there's, to the point that you made, there's so many other touch points throughout mm -hmm. December and not just on Seton Hall's campus. And so you've also been involved in some of the other mm -hmm. celebrations outside of South Orange. Can you share with the community for those of us that are not exposed to those celebrations, what that has been like for you in terms of bringing the community together outside of the, the main campus tree in lighting Newark, event? Our law school, I have never been directly involved, but um, in Newark, our law school does a beautiful job of celebrating the holidays, um, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, I think they might, not sure, but I think they might some, call it something like a night of lights. Um, and it's very, it's a, it's a beautiful time. Um, the space is beautiful. I don't know if you've been down to the law school, but it's just kind of a remarkable open space that goes up many, many stories. And um, in the middle of it, this great big kind of town square where um, people gather to celebrate. Um, again, I think a lot that we have in common, even if our explicit faith traditions differ. Um, and even if um, in many cases, um, an individual human is not of any faith tradition, not a believer. Um, most of us still believe in, in light over darkness. Most of us still believe in hope rather than despair. Most of us still believe in, in joy rather than sadness. Most of us believe in love mm. rather than fear. So at the law school, I think they do a nice job of celebrating the light in the middle of the night. And... Um, that is a beautiful do, way to say do. that. Yeah, they do. And then beautiful. in Nutley, um, on our health sciences campus, um, they do a nice job in the middle of the day. We had our own tree blessing there um, with um, musicians and, um, and choral people 
from our own Seton Hall, uh, offering um, music and a mood. Santa Claus came. I knew he would show up. I asked, I asked again <laughs> for a Christmas puppy. I'm sure this is the year. Um, Students services and gourmet dining services there did a tremendous job of um, treats and cookies and and um, again they're very busy there. Um, a lot of people have a lot to do, and of course none of us can forget on campus and off. As beautiful as these weeks leading up to Christmas can be, they can be stressful. So they did a really nice job of taking that moment. Again, there's a great big, huge atrium right in the middle of that um, health healing arts building where um, people come and go. It's the crossroads. And so during that high impact time, high high people to time of 11 to 1, we're there, you know, again, celebrating one another. Um, and celebrating, I believe, um, the Savior born in Bethlehem, who's brought us together here on purpose, all of us, um, all of us, everybody, from, forgive me for putting it this way, from top to bottom, um, believer and non-believer, all of us here to um, learn from one another, to teach one another, to um, support one another, to help one another grow, you know? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it all kind of sort of bursts into, into joy around this time. Absolutely. And there's something that you said earlier in the conversation of how we're busy and life of our aches and pains, whether it's physical or spiritual, can really make us a little insular and a little dark. And so this is such a time in which so many of us feel light, feel togetherness, feel community, feel like we are part and participating in something that is broader than just ourselves, right? Even even the traditions of gift giving or the traditions of, of kindness, of coat drives and toy drives, for you know, mm-hmm. folks that you don't know, but you're participating in in community and something that forces you to connect outside of yourself. That really resonated with me. So thank you're you welcome. for sharing and that. And though we and must for- remember, um, not for every person is Christmas a time of joy. You know, people feel That's the true. loss. Yeah. There are people who can yeah. feel, in spite of it all even more isolated, even more cut off That's true. because they feel a little bit like on the outside looking in. So I try to encourage myself and people round about me to keep looking out of the corners of their eyes, you know, and out of the corners of their hearts and heads for, you know, those people who seem to be a little bit on the periphery, you know, on the margin, sort of on the outside looking in because it's, it's the poor and the needy and there are lots and lots of ways to be poor and needy, but it's the poor and the needy who, um, who, um, that baby in Bethlehem came for, um, that baby in Bethlehem came to save, especially, you know, um, so we do well to keep an eye out for the little people. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a critical and important note and certainly something that 
we may not be mindful of if it's not the experience yeah. that we're living. Father Colin, this has been such a great conversation. You have shared nuggets of wisdom with us, and I really appreciate your time and 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 your oh, perspective. And if there's anything that our listeners were to take away, if they got nothing else out of this episode, what do you want folks to walk away with from today? Uh, one word. Bigger. Bigger. Um the great thing about a community like Seton Hall, the great thing about the Christmas story, the great thing about um, the whole Christ event from Bethlehem to this very day and through Jerusalem and the cross and the resurrection. Um, there is a truth, a goodness and a beauty who many of us call God, um, bigger, than all that's wrong, bigger than our biggest problems, bigger than our biggest fear, bigger than our biggest disappointment, bigger than our biggest failure. Um, God is bigger. Um, God is bigger and um, bigger than all that's wrong, all that's sideways, all that's sick, that's sinful in us, between us, around us. Um, bigger. I think our big Christmas tree um, with all those beautiful lights, um, it's the bigness of it that draws us. And I think the, the size of that tree, whether we know it or not, I think calls us out of our own littleness into the bigness that is really most true about us and all of creation and the God who has created us and, and redeemed us. So um, don't be afraid. Uh, um, don't be discouraged. God is bigger. God is bigger. Um, bigger than everything, including suffering, including death. Um, that's the message of Christmas. That's the message of Jerusalem. That's the message of the baby in the manger and the man on the cross the message of those angels singing to the shepherds, uh, the magi coming to the baby, um, that empty tomb and life right here, right now. Seton Hall is here because God is bigger and we're here um, because once God wants us to call us to bigger and to more. But you need to have me back, really. I mean, we need to do, we need to do about a couple hundred, a couple hundred uh, episodes with me because that's just how wonderful I am. Yeah, I'm in full agreement. I'm full agreement. We have you to must, immediately you must, after you this must, show yeah. figure out you when must. to book you again. Father Colin K, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your perspective and your wisdom, and um, just your beautiful yeah. words and your spirit and your kindness. I appreciate you, having you on the show. Father Colin Kay is one of more than 100,000 Seton Hall alumni and even more Seton Hall community members that demonstrate what great minds can do.